Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Hello and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast for the week of July 6th. This week, we will be talking about our biggest Nintendo announcement disappointments. Kind of a downer, but I thought it might be fun considering the news from last week. I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Per Schneider. Oh. Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. And Seth Macy. Hi there. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for joining me this week. I appreciate it. Of thanks course, we were waving, but I don't think our audio listeners could hear that. So no. I tried really hard. 
It looks <laughs> a sound effect for a wave. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a good <laughs> wave. I wanted to start off this week by talking about last week's announcement for WayForward's new Switch game, Bakugan oh, Champions boy. of Destroya. But that's not really the main news here because everyone was expecting something a little bit more exciting than Bakugan. And for those of you who don't aren't super familiar with this, it is a third party franchise. It's an, a Japanese Canadian anime show with monster collecting and, you know, think well, Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> but it does have the the toys are the ones that have that plastic ball that you like roll out and then right. like pops into yeah. a thing, right? They are pretty that, cool. That's a pretty cool gimmick. They're, they're cool. really neat gimmicks. And honestly, I don't think the game looks bad. It's just people got excited for something that maybe was more than yeah. a spinoff of a kid series. And we that's what we got. Um, so I wanted well, to for it is like famous for like Castle Castlevania knockoff games, right? Like uh, Mithrid likes and Castlevania games. And they have just this whole like like, you know, oeuvre of like amazing, cool, uh, not quite licensed Nintendo games, but like things yes. that are kind of based on games we love. And mm-hmm. so I think that, that definitely built up people's expectations when Nintendo teased it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't way forward teasing it. Nintendo teased it. I got to admit, I immediately went from Shantae to Metroid 2. Just the, you know, that Nintendo mm-hmm. had tapped them to do a two, 2D Metroid, maybe Super Metroid remake, something like that. I, I jumped to that, too. And then Nintendo clarified on Twitter saying, hey, this is a third party announcement. Right. And so, then what did you think? Then I went uh, to Castlevania <laughs> after that. And then, and then I was like, oh, they're downplaying it. So it can't be anything great. I did not expect um, Bakugan. I'm a father, obviously, of three kids and two boys who were into Bakugan many, many years ago. And I had completely forgotten about it. I didn't know it was a thing anymore. And an announcement to me, um, would, isn't that exciting? Because we've had so many Bakugan games in the past. Mm-hmm. It's not like the first time it gets turned into a video game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that, I can you, understand. I can understand the disappointment. What do you think, Seth? Uh, <laughs> I kind of laughed because it was not what I expected at all. Um, I think mm-hmm. it was Stealth, who has been on the show before on Twitter, said that mm-hmm. 150,000 people were watching. And as soon like as soon as they revealed the game, 100,000 people left and there were 50,000 people in the stream. Just <laughs> oh, no, it's 66% of people just tuned right out. And that well, came out you. Your table, right? You just connect your computer. Everything goes <laughs> in the air. And that and Paper Mario, um, the Paper Mario Treehouse segment was more than 30 minutes long so people were sticking around for a long yeah. time waiting for what that announcement would be you don't need to play that game now you've seen it all yeah exactly <laughs> and they, they showed a lot of bakugan too but it's like a 70s uh, movie trailer you just see everything start to finish full explanation and i know a lot of people immediately jumped to metroid because they they showed that kind of metroid tease at the end of the original paper mario trailer so yeah but that's and, probably why. Yes. And your bunny can dress like Samus in their most recently released game, the jump roping game. <laughs> oh, yeah. They just yeah. keep alluding to it and then not giving what? it to us. What was the clues where they had like the gen- the silver gold generation Pokemon in the background of like. Yeah. Uh, one thing. And then people assume that that was going to be an announcement. That wasn't right. That was another. It wasn't. Yeah. That was another recent disappointment. Exactly. People were <laughs> speculating because so they did. They did it direct for the Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC. And then we're like, we're going to have another direct with an even bigger announcement next week. Yeah, yeah. And it was a Pokemon MOBA. And I mean, maybe if they had done this five years ago when MOBAs were 
I mean, MOBAs are still some of the most popular games in the world, but that was kind of the peak of the but trend. only were ones that were around five years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You but, never yeah. into the MOBA market. Has, you have to watch out that you don't read into, that you don't see mm-hmm. hints everywhere. There are some yeah. companies that are really clever at seeding hints early on, and they've kind of conditioned the audience to look for them, right? Like somebody brings out a, a Nintendo Switch and is like, oh, Metroid colors, that means Metroid's yeah. going to be announced. It'll happen. Mm-hmm. Um I think, wasn't it, there's like an Umberto Eco novel, was it Foucault's Pendulum, where it's like, there are all these coincidences and people think it's a conspiracy and then it becomes the conspiracy oh. um, over time. And so like- Usually how conspiracies develop. Maybe maybe if we see Metroid, uh, 2D Metroid everywhere and, and, and these hints everywhere, we're, we're just going to will it into existence. So maybe the thing is, we kind of recently got a 2D Metroid. I mean, it was made out of 3D parts, but it didn't exactly set the world on fire. So I don't know if there, you know, it's a lot of- uh, uh, impetus on Nintendo's part to just go ahead and make another Metroid right now besides Prime. Has Nintendo teased an announcement with like a cryptic clue? Like I can't think of anything off the top of my head that they yes. teased. They have. Oh, okay. Well, I guess not cryptic, but they called the revolution the revolution for a year. <laughs> well, yeah, but they didn't have like uh, in the in, in the back of a, an issue of Nintendo Power a picture of, you know, like, like a silhouette revolution. of a hand and then it turned out to be a power glove. <laughs> well, something they did. I just People always see these, you know, like Pear was saying, you see uh, a Metroid reference and you think, oh, they're getting ready to tease Metroid. But have they ever put in a clue ahead of time to a future reveal? Like, I can't think of anything. I'm sure there were a couple, but most of the time they're duds. It's like people seeing, you know, a a Samus pin on Reggie Fizame's lapel or something. And then, of course, (laughs) nothing, nothing ever happens. The man is gone. I feel like they do like, they'll have like, what what am I thinking of? Where like, they'll have like, somebody will be holding an amiibo. You know, be like, and, you know, we have something cool to talk about next week. I feel like that's been done before. It's just, it's just a little bit more explicit than, than hiding something in a background. True. Yeah. So anyway. It's that was a big hyped up announcement that people got over hyped up for and then became disappointed <laughs> by. And I wanted to talk about some other instances in Nintendo's history in which that happened and what were some of your most hyped up announcements that you're so excited to hear about and then were immediately disappointed by. And you know, I also, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Sam. Well, I was going to say, like, you introduced this as a negative topic, but, like, I think the opposite. I think it's so fun to cover and blow up something and conspir- you know, conspiratorially write about it and talk about it as journalists and, and like, you know, and just wonder what it is over and over again. Even the disappointment is, like, whatever, the disappointment. Like, there's always going to be games to play. Like, it's part, of the, it's part of the fun. And it's been that way for at least 20 years. Since I started reading IGN, you know, 1998, 1999, that's how IGN covered Nintendo. And it was, like, always just, like, every little bit of information was really fun to follow. And leading up to E3 was always really exciting. And so, you know, just just uh, just to spin this in a way where it's not like, you know, Nintendo's always letting us down. That's not the case. Oh, yeah, no. We're that obsessed with Nintendo that we follow it that closely. There's definitely an issue with us as people seeing things in places when there is nothing and then getting way overexcited when Nintendo has done nothing to make us feel like that. But it's just, they're things that we're passionate about and we want to get excited about and hope that it's exactly what we want all the time. And if it's not that thing, this is why it's good not to have expectations and anything right. in your life. And then you can never be sad. <laughs> all right. So you want to go around the room with just disappointments? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Pear, why don't we start with you? All right. Mine, mine. Mine is super easy and it's on the nose. You know, it's the one that sparked the stupid reaction guys meme. It's the Pac-Man versus reveal where we were Pac-Man. expecting something. Remember that? Pac-Man. 
what what year was that? That was 2003. 2003. Thank mm-hmm. you, Siri. Um <laughs> we were expecting something something of substance something great like a new you know a new game that we hadn't seen before like there were i, I remember there were all sorts of rumors uh, of of what people wanted to see uh you know bygone and 64 hits returning and yeah. instead it was like the big thing was the pac-man uh versus reveal which not only like it, it's it's a cool game right and it's a cool concept to have this pac-man game where uh people have their own screen so you can't see where the other where um the other players are um but it just seemed like it seemed too simple it seemed to not really highlight what we would want well, this did, console for did miyamoto demo it for you guys he did and there's a like that, that's what he was there for was a pac-man game <laughs> yes he came out and he did the whole thing where he's like you can see the excitement on yeah. his face like to that man probably pac-man is how he got inspired to make video games, right? And mm-hmm. so he's so proud to have this version of Pac-Man that does something that no other Pac-Man game had done before, right? That whole connection with the Game Boys and all that. Um, and then, you know, probably met his his development hero over that. And then he gets out on stage and it's really quiet. It's very mm-hmm. quiet. And like, I heard from a um, Nintendo rep that I won't name that he said, why are people not clapping when he came back? Yeah, and it's, it's so heartbreaking. <laughs> Yeah, um, but or, and they were really yeah. trying to, to to do the SP game or the, the Game Boy connection to the the GameCube yes. at the time because they had Crystal Chronicles there and they had Four Swords also and that was just like the theme of it. But if you ball all that up and I, the other mm-hmm. games that were there were uh, Pikmin Two and Double Dash, which are cool games, and like that is kind of a low grade Nintendo E3. It's just that announcement was the Miyamoto announcement, and that's why it was disappointing. <laughs> Everybody was expecting him to do that, like coming out with a sword kind of a moment, right? Yeah. Like, here is the big new Mario, the big, big new Zelda, whatever. And like, yeah. it just wasn't that. And so, like, yeah, people were quiet. It's if you watch, <laughs> oh. um, if you watch old footage of it, it's just not the roaring applause that once he starts going, that people usually give his presentations. Mm-hmm. It was still charming, and like the game is fun, but it's completely forgotten, and that should tell you something. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, Seth, what about you? What was your biggest Nintendo disappointment? It's kind of recent, actually. It was uh, the Super Mario cereal with the Amiibo <laughs> built into it. I was so excited because we couldn't find it anywhere. I think uh, I wrote, wrote a news story about it. And then I, I was at the store uh, by my house and I found that they had it. So I bought three boxes planning to eat one, like collect one. And then I don't know what I was going to do with the third. And then I... Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna uh, put it in a, a safe deposit box for my kids' retirement. But um, yeah, I ate it and it was not good at all. In fact, it was terrible. It was like puffed. It, like these, it reminded me of these babies. I never ate it. Yeah, it I was not good. I have two boxes at work. I have two boxes at work. I imagine that so we'll never, we'll never be allowed to go back to the office. So it's like the Last oh, of no. Us, where like people will find <laughs> it in like eighty years on the shelves, and they'll scavenge yeah. for screws and I stuff. Have, I have three boxes of collectible cereal on my desk. Mm-hmm. I have that, and then I have a Sega for one pro- promo period sent out a fake Sonic O's rings Ooh, box. Cool. Like we ate that. Box. <laughs> yeah, I didn't put Cheerios inside. Uh, well, it was. This wasn't one that was eight. This is like this okay. is just a prop. It was like a oh, prop okay, okay. anniversary. So you got that, and then the other thing is the Nintendo serial system, which was a a split Nintendo. two bag in a box. 
It's yeah. a cereal now. Yeah. Nintendo. Yeah. It's for breakfast. Wow. Yeah, there's a little That's rap perfect. song to that. And it had Zelda on one side and Mario on the other with these like janky images of them. They were like so, so <laughs> off model. But it said at the top like a big Nintendo logo and it says like Nintendo cereal system. But it looks like an NES box, you know? Yeah. It's the coolest thing. And I remember the flavor of that cereal so well because sometimes I have a, like a kid's cereal generic. That's just what they used for it. Like it doesn't go, that stuff doesn't go away. Like there's some recipe that's like, you know, lime extract and like mandarin orange fake flavor, like whatever it is. Right, number five, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this is a kid cereal I had. But when, <laughs> when I had it, it was, you know, when Teddy Teddy Grahams had a cinnamon version or something. Oh, God. I like well, that Super Mario <laughs> cereal was doubly disappointing because I was like, well, it's terrible cereal, but at least it has amiibo functionality with yeah. Super Mario Odyssey. And it just filled up one of your hearts. That's all it was. <laughs> I but mean, you that's know what, what happens when you eat cereal in real life. Level. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You could also do that. Well, if it's cholesterol friendly, then it fills up one of your hearts. Oh, it's full of oats. So yeah, it's good. Good, good for, for your heart. That. Yeah. Nice. All right, Sam, what was what was your biggest Nintendo announcement disappointment? Well, you saw a bunch of my notes, I'm sure, in the run of show this mm-hmm. week. But one I wanted to read is uh so in uh 2006. Uh, the uh, well, actually, let me let me walk that back. In 2005, the uh, revolution was uh, was announced, and it was announced at an E3. There was going to be like they showed like a box and nothing else. They're like, hey, this is like our new system. And remember, the Xbox 360 is coming out. Everybody knows about that. The PlayStation uh, 3 is coming out. People know about that. So this is Nintendo's like absolute. This is when they were on generational cycles, right? So mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. What is Nintendo going to look like in the future? And it wasn't until April 2006, not an E3, where they sent out this press release introducing dot 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 we and i started crying uh, <laughs> uh, as, as in we the the word like we us and then it says well the code name revolution expressed our direction we represents the answer we will break down that wall that separates video game players from everybody else we will put down <laughs> we will put more people in touch with their games and each other and it goes on like that for a while and then it says we has a distinctive two eyes spelling that symbolizes both the unique controllers which we hadn't seen yet and an image of people playing it. Sorry, the word was split up there. Uh, (laughs) So it's like, it's it's talking about like why they branded it this way, where everybody just read that word and was like, they're calling their system the Wii. Like it was so silly and so crazy and so profound. And then it got worse from there, right? We found out that it was like low powered and that uh, it had some exciting stuff. I think the motion controls are actually exciting for most people at the time. And then, you know, it's just like that, that rollout was just such a bummer. And boy, boy, was that thing a success though. You know, oh it was like such a huge success story. Every, every move they made was exactly right. And it was like, it, but Nintendo fans at the time were like, why are you doing this? And I think they felt that way for a lot of that console. Yeah. I don't, and then, I don't even remember. And then again with Wii U. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, well, that was, that was a nightmare. But with the with the Wii, I don't even remember exactly how I felt about it when I watched that announcement. But I know I skipped school and spent my 16th, my sweet 16th birthday money on a Wii instead of a party. So yeah, I waited in line for 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like waiting in line, like first thing to, to be but able you know to order it. Being excited for, I think, Wii as, as like this group. Twilight is because, Princess. Twilight <laughs> Princess. Yeah, exactly. There was yeah. like, no, there's no question that I was going to play the next Zelda in the best way possible. And it was like incrementally better, right? It was just wide But what it, what they did that made me stand in line is because they delayed the GameCube version. And oh, I was oh, yeah, that's right. really mad about it. For GameCube, okay. Yeah, and I was really mad oh, about it, but not mad enough to boycott the Wii. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. I just remembered I put five dollars down on that at a GameStop in Tucson for the GameCube version. I never get that five dollars back. Well, I, there you go. I bet you could still get it if you have your paper copy. Um, <laughs> I know that it was on Campbell. Was it that the one? Um, I do believe, yeah. Yeah, we see Seth and I know Tucson. Um, I, I was going to mention there is like we would be remiss without saying that there were other disappointing E3s. Uh, there's some funny ones. Uh, 2007 was We Fit. Uh, people were pretty bummed about that. But 2008 was the real one. That's the Wii Music year. That's where like oh, there, there was, there was Wii Sports Resort and Wii Music were basically it. And the in the show was all Wii Music. Again, this was like a why aren't they clapping situation because there was like, you know, Ravi Drums and Miyamoto came out like, you know, like conducting. And it was just insane. It was very silly. Hide of we <laughs> that, was, that was the second why are they not clapping moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I forgot how bad that year was. I mean, to me, we the reveal of the name was a disappointment. I was like, I'm sure in like five years people will say the word and it has lost all meaning and it just seems normal. And we talk about it now and we don't think about how ridiculous a word it really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it at really the time, is. At the time, it was just, it was like the internet exploded with ridicule. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then, yeah, the, it was underpowered. And so we were kind of latching on to the concept that the controls were so unique that it would create new um, experiences. And we were imagining, you know, swinging the sword in a Zelda game, and that would be different enough to make it exciting. But yeah, obviously, um, obviously, as a hardcore gamer, it was just a, not a very powerful machine. Had some good at games. At the time, on. Nintendo or IGN was divided. In, this is when I started working at IGN. Uh, mm-hmm. It was divided by by platform, and you know, like it was like the Nintendo team had it hard. Like it was, you know, it, until we took off, it was like Xbox team and PlayStation team was just like, what is going on with your system over there, guys? <laughs> what is going to happen with this? And Nintendo fans got really defensive. And I just remember the the, the console wars being very virulent at that time. Uh, nobody survived. There were no survivors. <laughs> no, no, sad. No, it's a terrible, terrible war. But <laughs> I wanted to move on to see what you had to say, the listeners or watchers, because we put out a call to action for video comments from you to answer the same question we just did. IGN has a new video commenting system at the bottom of every article, and it's called Yappa, and you can leave us yaps. So we put out an article, posted it in our podcast forums, and we picked out a few to show you. And I want to start with a yap from Sonny Vaughn. Here it Hi, goes. NBC. It's your Scandinavian friend, Sonny Vaughn. I was super hyped when the Mario vs. Rabbits got leaked, and I was just excited to see how bad it was going to be. <laughs> Imagine my uh, disappointment when the announcement was actually one of the highlights of E3 that year. And, you know, the game ended up being amazing. I completed it 100%. Love it. That's it. <laughs> Get the thing. So he wanted to hate on it. He wanted to hate on it, but he couldn't because it ended up being so good. That's great. I, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people wanted to hate on that game. And I think a lot of people were surprised at how good it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mario with guns, remember? It was yeah. it was weird for so many different reasons. And then the game is absolutely delightful. Yeah. Yes. Remember, everybody, if you keep on saying words like we and yap, they become uh, <laughs> they become right. normal. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> they become normal. Perfectly cromulent. And now, and <laughs> now I have Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sonny. And I wanted I was going to talk about my personal biggest disappointment of V3, but we got so many yaps about the same thing i figured to pick one let them talk about it and then we can mention it this one is about the wind waker announcement from phil Ooh, 
Hey NBC, Phil here. My most disappointing Nintendo reveal was actually Wind Waker. I remember being really hyped for Zelda on GameCube, especially given how good the likes of Vogue Squadron 2 looked. And that Space World 2000 demo that showed Link and Ganondorf fighting looked a phenomenal continuation of the Ocarina of Time art style. But I remember that Wind Waker art style being revealed and me and my friends discussing just what on earth was Nintendo up to. And we had no idea what they were thinking. As it turns out, of course, they do have a better handle on what works than a 12-year-old does, and it ended up being one of my favourite games of all time, and I still prefer it to the more realistic Twilight Princess. That was a great comment, and exactly how I felt. I mean, I was so hyped up for realistic Zelda. I was coming off really loving Majora's Mask. I mean, still, it's one of my favourites, so I was looking forward to a dark tone, realistic Zelda game, and then they showed Wind Waker, and that's not at all what we were expecting. And I think that just ties into the fact that Nintendo needs to not do that and Pokemon. And I think maybe <laughs> surprises with nothing leading into it might be better going forward. It was but, really funny. I remember, again, this was one of those moments where the internet exploded again. And we got calls from people who were at the show. I wasn't actually at the event. I saw everything you mean, second, yeah. secondhand. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I saw everything secondhand and we got like descriptions of what it looked like and we're like wait wait what and they're like yeah and you can see his eyeballs through his hair and like through his eyebrows and like he just looks really weird and like people like the moblins run in the air like you know like in a cartoon and stuff like, <laughs> oh, like the descriptions the descriptions made it so much worse they made it sound like it was just looney tunes and completely mm -hmm. crazy and then you play this game and it's so atmospheric oh, it's so it's immersive favorite. and yeah it's it's and just kind of funny how first impressions were so bad for so many and they were able to do so many things because of the cartoon style that they wouldn't have been able to do with something realistic like because link's eyes were so big you could see when they would look at different enemies and that may have been something more difficult to do with a more realistic art style on the gamecube i want and a sequel yeah you got two they're on yeah. DS. Oh, yeah, that's true. Not the same. I like Spirit Tracks a lot. Spirit Tracks is good. Those are, it was fine. Those are tap tap games. They're different. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, still, I think they're still, they're, they're, they're still real Zelda games. I just don't prefer them. But um, this next comment is from Ricky about the Wii U announcement. That looks like Greg. Greg but that is Greg. What my Greg most too. disappointing Nintendo game was Mario Tennis Aces. I was hoping for a Mario Strikers game. Oh. We'll talk about Greg's comment first. So I remember, so they announced Mario Tennis Aces. It was a surprise mini direct. So no one was expecting anything. So it was just about tennis. There were a few other announcements it, during that. I think it was like the January 2018. Okay. That was like the big reveal. I remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. Mario Tennis Aces. Yeah. And go ahead. No, you go ahead, Pear. No, Strikers is kind of like the dark horse game that you don't think about a lot, right? It's actually a really good so Mario good. soccer game. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of it's forgotten, it's not talked about a lot, whereas like the Mario Tennis franchise continued. Um mm -hmm. I it's I'm surprised you was expecting strikers. I was not mm -hmm. expecting to see strikers ever again. I wasn't <laughs> expecting tennis either so soon. No. But um I've had a tease about that being a sports related thing. I, yeah, I can't remember, but I remember speculating about sports for some reason, and I don't know why. And so intent because because everybody really wants golf too, right? Because like Mario Golf is like oh, the last Mario yeah. Golf was so in depth and everybody so loved good. it. And it's got it's been a great series. But like tennis is like 
I would say it's, it's, it's not even at ups. It's just had like kind of mediocres and downs. And like, I, I, I don't know why that came back, but man, Strikers, that's a good party game. Great for taking your Wii controllers off and playing short matches. Or not Wii controllers, sorry, Switch controllers. It'd be awesome to have Joy-Con, you know, really, uh, Mario Strikers. It'd be super, super cool. And our last Yappa of this week's episode is from Ricky about the Wii U announcement. Hello, Casey. Hello, NBC crew. Wiki here. And to me, one of the most disappointing announcements was the one that Nintendo made on 2011 with the Wii U announcement. It was just too cringe to watch Reggie up there in the big stage trying to make sense of the whole name for the Wii that was no longer the Wii, it was the Wii U, right? He was unifying, it was utopian, he was unique. <laughs> it was just too hard to watch for me. And of course, with the whole Wii U flop, well, the, the more recent, right, for that to be one of the most disappointing moments, that was for me the one uh, that I would choose. Saludos desde Mexico, Wiki signing out. <laughs> it's funny hearing that after just reading the messaging about the Wii. Like in both those cases, like they did make a big deal about the name. And that one, like they had already screwed up, I think, with the Wii. It was just such a weird marketing catastrophe until it wasn't. But the Wii U, boy, that didn't end up good at all for the name remember, or system. You remember the code? It's all about, it's, sorry, it's all about voice, right? Like, do you want to explain your marketing and name choice reasons in marketing terms to a consumer audience? No, right? You don't want to go out and go, we, you, and the you stands for it. It's like when you have to explain it, it's just, it's done. Well, you see, I owned five. The Cafe. five means <laughs> no. <laughs> Mark Ryan and I bought projectcafe.com. Nice. Why? Oh, wow. That was the code name. Of the <laughs> yep. Wait, I thought oh, it was. Yeah. Uh, the Nintendo Stream. I don't remember Stream. I remember they I really remember that. hard. But Project Cafe was the thing that I that, that I remember that was like leading into to E3 and they talked about it a little bit. That could have been 3DS. Maybe it was 3DS. Maybe. I don't know. But, uh, I just uh, know because I wrote a feature for oneof.com called My Dream yeah. for Nintendo Stream and it was all the features I wanted to <laughs> yeah, see. You just wanted to write it. Around each other. Um, when I was at... Uh, uh, that that e3 i think that was nintendo's last in-person conference that i don't think they did one after that um but i was in the audience i got to go to that conference and you know it was like frantically writing news and stuff like that or you know it was kind of a mess i think pear was there too and uh we uh they showed this video this graphical demo which i've been thinking about a lot recently because it's like it was just this yellow bird flying through like a Japanese forest and then through like a little village and stuff like that. And like, it looks exactly like uh, the game I'm playing right now, Ghost of Tsushima, which is like really funny because you follow the, these yellow birds in that game and through Japanese villages. And I've just been thinking about that. It's really funny to, to revisit that. That's true. Project Cafe is the Wii U. I use the power oh, okay. of, of Google. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. But it it's could have been... It could have been stream was something else that was like part of the cycle where there was some leak about it or like that. That might have been the official name because I vaguely remember that, too. But also so maybe one up never existed. And maybe this is all in your head. Oh, right. man. Well, that was, that was a great thing. I imagine. You know, I was I was trying to remember why I was so all in on the Wii U at launch, because I mean, it is a silly name, but I remember it's because I, I was an intern at Gamer Magazine while people were doing hands-on previews of the system. So I actually got to play the Luigi mini game from Nintendo oh, yeah. land and I got to play zombie U. And I thought those two concepts, those two concepts sold me on the Wii U. I thought they were so cool and so interesting. And I assumed all of these games would be doing things like that. And 
I mean, some of it took advantage of it, but not every everything did. But I still don't regret my purchase. Nope. I love I love my Wii U. I still yeah. have it downstairs. Connor wants me to hook it up again so he can play Wind Waker. I, I very much like my that speed sale makes it all makes it all the difference. So anyway, thank you everyone so much for your yaps and and or video comments, whatever you want to call them. We really appreciate it. And on the next show, we will be answering this question from Eric Sates, and we want to hear from you too. So submit a video comment below the IGN.com article for this episode, and we might play it on the next show, which isn't next week. It's actually the week after that on July 30th. So just be aware next week, we will not be having a show. Uh, There's a lot of Comic-Con stuff going on. So look forward to that instead. But anyway, here is the question that we would like you to answer. Does anyone on the panel have moments from gaming that hold a special place in their arts in terms of the story impact? Is it made more meaningful when gameplay is involved, like in Super Mario Odyssey? And what are your thoughts on the different effect video game stories have on audience as opposed to movies, books, TV shows, etc.? We'll be answering that question along with you guys next week. So please leave us your yaps. And we'll post that in the Facebook group and stuff, too, to make it easy to uh, find links and stuff like that. Yes, look, look for it. Um, But let's move on to some smaller news of this week, including the fact that Crisis Remastered will still be released on Nintendo Switch on July 23rd, even though they said they were going to delay it to make it better. (laughs) Sam, what are are your thoughts on that? Well, well, it wasn't like, like, you know, they said they were going to delay the premiere graphics versions, the ones that like really matter and should really show off. Like that was, I think the quote is, uh, I had it here. Uh, This extra time until release will allow us to get Crisis Remastered up to the PC and console breaking standard you've come to expect from Crisis Games. Is the Switch a console or a PC? No, it's right in between. It's kind of like a handheld console hybrid. So they kept to their word. Yeah, that is true. But (laughs) But yeah, I just I think they got it looking as good as they're going to get it looking on the Switch, and that's fine because like it's a portable version of Crisis. It's not supposed to be anything else. Yeah, that's fine. I completely agree with that, and I think. That's all we need to say about Crisis still coming into the Switch, so you still get to look forward to that. <laughs> but another piece of news is that LEGO has teased an NES set following oh, some leaked pictures. I love it and so much. It's going to be very expensive at 261 US dollars. Oh, that is is actually 229. 229? Yes. Well, right. 229 euro. Did they make sure that it's 229 USD no. also? It listed at 199 and everyone lost their minds and then 5 minutes later it was 299 and everyone <laughs> lost their minds for a completely different reason and then 5 minutes after that it was $229 and it has remained okay. firm ever since. So so right. we negotiated with them throughout yeah. the- <laughs> <laughs> We did it. Bill got it. Uh-huh. Uh, I am. I'm. I'm gonna buy one. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I cannot justify two hundred twenty nine dollars. So I'm trying to figure out Nobody how can. I can. Is my, it like, huge? Get a side hustle. Like I saw all these pictures, and I don't have a good sense of scale, but I think like that's pretty big. Yeah, it's like twenty three hundred yeah. pieces. Which is so, if, how how much of a Millennium Falcon is that pair? No, that the Millennium Falcon is unfathomable. You can't count the number of pieces, but no. it's like it has the what I you don't see is thousand. that what you don't see, like first of all, Lego builds have been getting better and better. If you built like the Saturn V rocket or something, like the, the you know, the Apollo eleven rocket, and you you build it and you can see all the care that goes into doing the internal constructions with all the different colors and having the little lander and all of that in it. And I think you will see this in this build where you see the innards of the NES as you build it. And then most importantly, 
the TV is not a flat screen. It actually, you have a little crank and you turn it and a level of Super Mario Brothers scrolls by made out of Lego pieces on this like a, this little turny thing, like a mm-hmm. scroll. So yeah. there, there are a lot of pieces in here that you don't yeah, see. Yeah, like just... the RCA jacks on the back and everything. It's like, oh it's yeah, unbelievable. I'm... I'm just thinking of how many parents are going to troll their children with this. Like if they're like, I really want a Nintendo and they're like, we got you a Nintendo and they open it and it is a Lego set. It'd be a better troll. They could sell it for more than an NES. So there you go. Yeah. Maybe not new in box. It's extra Um, expensive because everybody's going to buy two. They're going to build the one to build and the one to collect or or the one to uh, flip, I should say. Yeah, the flip. Yeah. Exactly. So you can pay for the one you have. Um, there's a uh, the the, uh, the we did a preview of the Mario set that that um, is coming out, um, and it talked about how uh, I think Alex Simmons did it in the UK, and uh, he talked about how um, you know the the Mario thing itself uh, is uh, well. Let me put it this way: use an app. You don't use a you don't use a book to build it, right? So it doesn't have paper. No. You use an app. Hmm. This I think does the same thing because they show that this interacts with mario like it's part yes. of that same series if you put the little mario figure on top of the tv when you turn the crank it makes the proper noises the jump mm-hmm. noises the coin noises the the, the turtle yeah. noises so i think it's, as part of the series there, there's cool. such an app stuff and and i don't know how i feel about that i kind of wish it was like a giant full color page big cute manual you know to put it together yeah. but it's probably too complicated now pair have you done it used the app to do any lego builds I have not. I, I buy the um, the big Star Wars uh, collector's edition ones, and they've yeah. always come with a big booklet with a paper. story about the creation. Yeah, it's always paper. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, we've built Labo and Nintendo software for mm-hmm. like the instructions were really cool, the way they yeah. put that off on the Switch. So I'm not 100% opposed to it. You know, having all these manuals around, like I have a giant stack actually next to me of just manuals in a box here. So yeah. Um, it's all right. They should make right? the object contain the manual somewhere, like have a little storage slot in it. <laughs> that like would be cool. Television, you yeah. just keep it in there. That'd be cool. So, yep, Lego STs and NES set, and some of us are going to buy it, even though it's expensive. But let's mm. move on to some other news that is extremely disappointing to me. As all of you have been watching, Brian and I have been looking forward to Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles remake for the Switch for quite a while now, but they just announced or tweeted rather. Uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles will not have offline or local co-op. They said for development reasons, we had to choose either offline or online support, and we chose online multiplayer so more people can play. So it's online only. And I don't isn't the point of Crystal Chronicles local co-op? At least that was the point of the original. Yeah, but, but nobody can get player. together anyway. So yeah, I don't understand. I, I live with people I can play with. I'm oh, sure yeah. I'm not the only one. <laughs> It's true. I it's a, it is it is a disappointment. Just to for clarity, right? In order to play that game multiplayer, you were using Game Boy Advance screens and you had your stats and some of the action controls and stuff on it. That, that, that doesn't mean that you can't adapt this separate display mm-hmm. to be to work with couch co-op. Obviously, we can all play Diablo 3 couch co-op on the Switch, and there are fine solutions for using menus and all of that. They could have done it. What I'm hearing here is we want to get this game done. We looked at how many copies it's going to sell, and we don't want to work on it for an extra two months m- months to create couch co-op and an offline mode. And so we're just going to do online. No, um, it makes- It's a bummer because it means you have to have multiple copies, too, if you want to play with that's, your friends. That's the biggest mm. bummer. I was hoping they could at least compromise by doing what Clubhouse Games did and letting you download a free guest version, which yeah. would let you then join the game with a separate Switch. 
but I, I don't know how complicated that is. I assume it's semi-complicated considering how few Switch games do that. Mm-hmm. But that would have been, I would have purchased it with that, but <laughs> with two copies online only. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Not awesome, but you know, yeah. right now it, it's fine. We can play yeah. online. I understand. I understand. I'm not happy about it, but I understand. <laughs> yeah. And next set of news is that Reggie has joined Rogue Games as an advisor. And Sam, I think this is your note. He said it's a sign of Reggie still keeping his gaming Nintendo collection alive. Yeah, actually, like full, full disclosure, the CEO of Rogue Games actually uh, used to be an editor on our team, Matt Casamassina. He was uh, the guy on N64.com, IGN64 that I worked with for many years. And, you know, he's had a love for Nintendo games, obviously. I don't think it's coincidence that Reggie's joining the board. Jack Tretton was already on the board. I feel like this is definitely a sign of them going more into uh, Nintendo territory. So, you know, if you liked uh, Matt and his views on games and you trust his taste in games, it might be a cool thing coming for the Switch. They made an F-Zero-ish game for Apple Arcade. They did, yeah. Yeah, they've they've got some cool stuff. And they're making like a PT-looking game called Under as well. Um, There's some interesting software. Look, Matt knows games. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if he knows how to run a game company. Sorry, Matt. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen the evidence yet. Um, so, but I'm really curious. And if he uh, if he becomes rich, um, then we're just gonna make him pay for everything. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. Mm-hmm. And the oh, I got tripped up. But the next news is that the Joker and Hero Amiibo release dates have been announced. We first heard about these Amiibo during a sort of Smash Direct when we learned about Min Min, but. They're going to be coming in October 2020. So really not that far away. You get some more Amiibo. I and know it's going to be best buy right now. You can. Well, I don't know if they'll still be there tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no. I oh, pre-ordered. Yeah. Um, as you know, well, yeah, we, that goes west saying I, I'm on this quest to have every Amiibo ever. And um, I, these, these should be really cool. Joker looks really cool. Yeah, Joker, the Joker Amiibo looks amazing. And I would say even yep. if you aren't a Smash fan, but you are a Persona fan, you might still want to buy this one anyway. Yeah, they just keep mm-hmm. getting Let's, better and better. How will you get the Amiibo to the Amiibo uh, display in the office? Have you, had to, have you had to confront that yet? Has anything come out since March? Uh, no, I don't think so, right? Like, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so you'll have so. to uh, yeah. get that. <laughs> All right, we'll have to figure that out. We'll yeah. have to take a picture with its brethren. Poor, the poor office. We still have all of the Animal Crossing Amiibo cards on the floor. Yes, we do. Yes, we Whoever, do. When, when the apocalypse happens and someone like goes into that building like 20 years from now, they're going to be extremely confused. No, no. The apocalypse happened. <laughs> anybody that goes into that building now is extremely confused because they're going in there and they're like, why is there a picnic blanket on the floor with 400 trading cards in the middle of this giant desk area? Because that's what we were doing when we never came back to the office again. Guys, wow. someone has to go in and leave cryptic written notes all over the place for someone to find. It's like how Fallout, uh, the, the bombs dropped like right around Halloween. So like there's a lot of like houses that have like Halloween decorations that they play up. In, in that series <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it's really cute and the last news story of this week is that super mario bros is sold for a hundred thousand dollars sam yeah tell us it's, more about that it's definitely <laughs> sam territory yeah well i actually i, I wrote up uh, an explanation of why this is uh, a few months ago because one uh similarly sold and uh i will uh explain what's going on with this so when the the nes came out 
uh, it, it was like kind of a soft launch, and they released a couple of games alongside of it. And they, it was called the Black Box series. Is what these games are like. They're black boxes. That's why they're called the Black Box series. And there, there's you know you know twenty or so of these. And uh, when they came out, like the system wasn't popular, uh, and it didn't have Mario yet. It just didn't. It shipped with Gyromite and stuff like that, right? So it, it just it just that that wasn't a consideration. So then Mario uh, was released. Super Mario Brothers was released, and we still don't know the release date of that game. This would have been in uh, uh, you know maybe the the months after the NES came out, and then it immediately became a pack in, right? Everybody that everybody that played Super Mario Brothers played it because it was it came with your NES. Like that was the immediate next step. But if you were a sad kid that had Gyromite <laughs> and an, an ROB and an NES, you had to buy a box copy of Super Mario Brothers uh, new, which was, you know, expensive and weird to buy when all your friends got it for free. Right now, uh, this was such an early game that, uh, that usually they would be hung on stores, store shelves with this like cardboard oh, yeah. tab. You can see here that cardboard tab. And wow. uh, because of that, you would, you would say like you know there's no point in sealing this with with cellophane or or seal seal right like you because it would be obscuring that you would have to put a tab on it's just stupid. But some of these games do exist that are sealed with that cardboard tab, and that indicates a very specific era of Super Mario Brothers in production. And when that happens, uh, it, when that happened, it became like recognizable as the first press of super mario brothers and why does that matter it's because this is the first game that uh you know it really it's not the first game with mario in it it's the first game with bowser in it but it's the first game that kind of blew up and, and brought consoles back on the market and made sure that that the video games were around forever because before that games had crashed and yeah. they just they're, they might have been gone forever right so Brought games back. So it's considered, and this is not, not my thought, it's uh, Frank Cifaldi's thought from the uh, Video Game History Foundation, and he sent me a quote on this. But he says it's like the action comics number one, which is the first appearance of Superman. Uh, that's, you know, it's not that's not the earliest comic. And it's definitely not, there's a bunch of rarer comics at the time. Um, but like, it's the first comic with Superman in it. You know, like, that, that has a meaning, right? That has a cultural import. And so that is why now there is a collector uh, frenzy, I would call it, around finding these earliest pressings of Super Mario Brothers, especially sealed, because there's very few of them. They indicate a state, uh, you know, a, 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 you can actually date them this way, which you can't do with a lot of other games that have giant pressings, because seriously, there's more copies of this game in, in the world than many other games, right? It's probably one of the most common games ever. Uh, but this this pressing of that game is making it expensive. So it just sold a couple months ago. Uh, it, these are always a graded thing. And again, like you probably don't have one. And if you think you have one, see if it's sealed, see if it has that, that cardboard tab on it, and then you're going to have to get it evaluated. And that's why it's worth money. But it's worth money because of speculators, too. I should point that out. These are always like these consortiums of like auction people. Like the last thing was like a betting, like a couple of people that were involved in like Vegas stakes or collecting and stuff like that. And they, they, they weren't like, they didn't care about video games. They're like, they're speculating. They're like mm -hmm. investors. So yeah. was that too much context? That's no, that was awesome. It was really yeah, interesting. No, I appreciate Good. it, Sam. So are you going to buy it? This one is not worth $100,000, <laughs> but it does have the pull tab, and it took me a long time to find one with that, which is really cool. Just finding a box copy of Super Mario Brothers is very unusual, right? For the, the reasons I outlined, which is just like kids kids didn't didn't need to buy it. Everybody owned it, you know? So it's cool. Yeah, yeah, cool yeah. Manual. Remember, this instruction manual tells you that all the Mushroom Kingdom denizens are, have been uh, murdered by Mario because they've been turned into bricks. 
And when uh, into bricks by Bowser, that means that you're exploding them and killing them constantly. It's pretty amazing. That's the wow, backstory for Super Mario Brothers. This got dark. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly so what I wanted. Reading. It says the quiet, peaceful, the f- quiet, peace-loving mushroom people were turned into mere stones, bricks, and even field horsehair plants. I don't know what that means. And the mushroom kingdom fell into ruin. Now you know. Perfect. Well, hey guys. Speaking of Mario, <gasps> let's move on to games out this week, All including right. very obviously Paper Mario: The Origami King. We finally were able to publish our review on IGN.com, and though I don't think any of us here have played it zach was Not able yet. to talk about his hands-on impression last week and we will of course talk about our hands-on impressions more the next time we have the show but just to sum it up uh cam shay our reviewer gave it a seven and he says the origami king is a truly likable game despite the shallowness of its new spin on gameplay its characters are winsome its visual design is gorgeous its world is fun to explore and its storytelling is outside the box and playful at the same time however it could be so much more combat is largely unfulfilling and your journey as a whole lacks meaningful choices for a series with rpg roots that's a real shame and just for yeah, the record, was... seven is good yes, seven yes, is no, good no. on an ign scale seven is good and i feel like there hasn't been a bad paper mario game spinoff or not um but it but i'm in that camp too someone who really liked how thousand year door took the kind of carried the torture of super mario rpg uh and you know just the writing how clever it was I'm happy to hear that the kind of like the character, the world building, the writing, all of that stuff um, translates to the new games. But obviously, the older RPG systems are left behind. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a design choice. It's it. We're always trapped in this. It's not the game that we want it to be, but is the game that they made good? And I, mm-hmm. like from the footage that I've watched from talking to Zach and um, and Cam, sounds like it's a good game. So I'm really looking forward to playing it. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people in the office are still extremely looking forward to playing that this weekend, as I'm sure a lot of you at Hope are as well. I had totally forgotten that I reviewed Thousand Year Door, by the way. I gave it, I think, a 9.1 420 years ago. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure there's a slideshow on IGN.com embedded into the review of all of the previous Paper Mario scores as well. If any of you are interested, you can check it out there. I'm a super Paper Mario remake. I think that's the one that got the that really got to me. Mm -hmm. So good. Does, does this it. one have your interest as much as what you thought would? No? No, I'm disappointed in anything with Mario and RPG elements. I always think it's RPG light, and they have good ideas that they don't play with enough or they don't commit to. Or like I played a lot of the Mario and Luigi games, and you know they just feel like a, a really linear, slow slog to me. And I, I don't know why. I just don't think they're, they're meant for me. I, it just doesn't, doesn't fit. But this has the additional element of looking amazingly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And that could draw me through the game. I just have other things I'm going to play for right now. And we'll see. We'll see if I get to it. And we are slowly running out of time. And so I just want to very quickly mention that there are two other games pointed out here, Golf and Waifu Uncovered, also coming mm-hmm. to Switch. And there's a note here that says, looked it up on Steam and I hate it. Yep. Waifu Uncovered <laughs> is a shmup. And yep. um, it's a, I, I never remember what shmup stands for, but I'm sure everyone Shoot him up. Shoot him up. There we go. Shoot him up. And golf is. Golf Nintendo golf already made is- a game called Golf. There's a game well, yeah. called Golf. This one is not that game at all. <laughs> this one, it wow. looks like someone took the Roblox graphics and stretched them out real good and made a golf game out of it. It might be a great golf game. Aesthetically, it's it's not my cup of tea. So a Roblox golf game made in dreams. Perfect. <laughs> Pretty much. Perfect. 9 dollars on the eShop. 
<laughs> but let's move on real quick to what we're playing before we have to go pair. Yeah. I definitely wanted to ask you what you thought about CrossCode. Oh, CrossCode is really cool. Um, Tom had mentioned that it, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, the PC version last year got a lot of attention. Um, you'll probably, if you watch a video of it, you'll instantly think Chrono Trigger because the art style, just the 16-bit look of it, looks exactly like the tile sets from Chrono. But the actual game is a little bit more of a mix of like Secret of Mana, Link to the Past, Chrono Trigger. It's got some shooting elements in it. It's a really big RPG. I've only scratched the surface. I think it's like something like 30 to 60 hours long. Uh, beautiful 2D art style with like fake mode 7 effects and all of that. Um, it's uh, you play it's it's set in the you you play inside this futuristic MMO as a mute character named Leah. And like you learn these different um, skills, you know, you can attack people, you can dodge. It's all done quickly. So not as as slow as Secret of Mana, but with, um, you know, stats being displayed on the screen. It's got the numbers popping out when you hit enemies. And then you have this ball mechanic where you can shoot these spheres around corners to hit switches. So you can imagine it makes for these kind of intri intricate puzzles to unlock openings and, and figure your way out of a situation. Uh, it's really charming. Uh, really well designed. Obviously, it's not it's not a new game. Somebody spent a lot of time making that already um, in the past, and it just got ported to Switch. One little thing, like there's a little bit of hitching in the scrolling um, when I'm playing it right now on Switch, and I wonder if that was present in the original version. Hasn't it distracted me from the from the gameplay yet? But um, you know, if that's a difference from the PC version, hopefully there's that's a, a there's feature. A All games have that now, starting with Link to the Past remake. There's just a like it's not as bad as um, Link's Awakening. Like it's just oh, little like hitches, but but with a 16, 16 bit game, you're expecting it to run at sixty, you know, never hitch. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Cool, cool game. Like really big bosses too. I think like thirty bosses and hundred twenty enemies. Um, definitely, uh, definitely a highlight of this month. Well, cool. thank you so much, Pear mm -hmm. and Sam and Seth. But unfortunately, that is all the time we have left for this week's NBC. But if you want to hear this week's listener questions, you can head to our audio podcast on any of your favorite podcasting platforms like Spotify. And to submit your own questions, write to us at NBC at IGN.com or respond to our weekly question block posts on the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums on Facebook. Thank you so much for watching. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can. Get the thing. Get the thing. What? Get the thing. And now we can continue talking about games we're playing this week. So, yeah. Perry, you just told us about CrossCode. Seth, what are you playing? Well, aside from American Truck Simulator, which is maybe my favorite game that I have just learned about from 2016, I have been going on a classic gaming binge. I am up to 93 exits on Super Mario World. Do you know what's remaining? I don't. That's the worst part because I wasn't keeping track. So now I have to go back. <laughs> I do have the strategy guide, which I'm holding up. You can't see. If you're listening, obviously, but this is the one too. that they used to send these out with yeah. Nintendo Power subscriptions. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, it's always it's that one ghost game. house. It's always that one ghost house near yeah, the lake. Three exits. Yep. Oh, so you would know. Yeah, the one ghost house by the, the lake has three exits, and you would know because you would have the exit that takes you to that cool area that has all of the um, the easy accessible, you know, uh, Cape and uh, Yoshi and stuff like that. That's one of the exits, and there's two others. Are we talking about donut donut planes here? Yeah, I yeah I did get all three of those. So yeah, and then uh, the butter bridge has some weird ones, but you know that it's one's like, tough. 
Yeah, and the, the, the forest of illusion is going to screw you over because one of the, the paths there is a circle around something else. And then one is like taking you back and like it actually doesn't draw a new path. It's just like you just got to beat a couple things in two ways. And what you're going to find is, you know, you know, the red dot thing, right? Uh, No, I don't quite if, know. If what a level mean. is red, then it has a secret exit. How am I just the learning the this? dots on yeah. the map? And yeah. if you're just joining us, uh, thank you for joining Game Help, the wiki podcast in which you <laughs> Yeah, so, so you can double check that. But where that'll screw you is that, you know, if it's a ghost house or a fortress, you just have to assume that it's going to have a secret exit somewhere. So double check all those. But anything that's red that you don't have a path leading off of, when you when you sign out of MVC today, just look to see if your red dot has a path leading out of it that in, in three directions or two directions or whatever, you know, then you'll know. Okay. Yep. That's good advice. Oh God, I love you. that game so much. Now I want to replay it too. <laughs> I just also my uh my Super Nintendo controller arrived finally. I finally oh, got my hands on one, and that is good? a what's that? Does it feel good? It feels great. I cannot recommend that. If like you have the, I think it's twenty nine ninety nine and a Switch yeah. Online membership, like order that immediately. It's like it's a chonky boy too. It's got some serious weight to it. Like you could you have the American one, the purple, Mister Purple. Well, yes, I would love the Super Famicom one because I prefer the aesthetics of the Super Famicom and its entire ecosystem. However, I don't have a Japanese Switch Online account, so I can't mm. order one. Mm. Uh, yeah, there, there are ways to get them without the account. I like well, purple I'll talk butter. to you after the show pair. <laughs> <laughs> what are you buying? <laughs> or you get the European one, which also has the colored buttons. Yeah, but it's Super Nintendo branded, and I prefer... I have a super, all um. kinds of Super Famicom stuff. Yeah, it's cool to get the Famicom logo, that weird cloud. Yeah. Sam, what are you playing? Uh, ugh, I've been playing... Uh, I This morning, I was frustratingly playing Donkey Kong Country, trying to get the codes to work, because Nintendo released that cool video yeah. where it had codes working. And I got one of them. Uh, I, I did the one where you can like see the secret areas from the start and practice them. I thought that was really cool. I, don't, I never used those codes when I was a kid. I was kind of surprised. Mm that those existed but they're very rare rareware because they're like they spell out something like they spell out like bad buddy b-a-d you know dd down down for d like like stuff like that it's like yeah. really funny one spells diddy with y's it's really cute so oh, that was cool but yeah and i'll play a little bit of that um usually uh whenever whenever that comes out but i don't like that game very much so it's kind of frustrating to me um now i loved it at the time uh so i've been playing that and then i played natsume wrestling the other game they released <laughs> oh my god it's so bad it's oh, like no. barely oh. barely localized it has hilarious hilarious localization names just punctuation everywhere like sprite issues it's just such a crazy thing to exist like it costs some money to put that thing out and nobody wants it I just, it's so funny. And I, 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 for, you know, do you guys know that Kuso games thing, Kusoge? Yeah. Means, means poop games. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. Kind oh, of wait. intentionally bad. They're so bad, they're funny and good. Like, this is, this is that. So, like, I, I want to, like, put it out now. there. This recommendation <laughs> totally gets it's, it. It's real. The real city, city, connection, city connection only IP. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Is that a real thing? Because I know that I no, think City Connection no. has like some some damning pictures of Nintendo executives because they always have those <laughs> terrible games. Yeah, but yeah, and I've been playing uh, the game I mentioned earlier too, Ghost of Tsushima too. Good game me too. It's so fantastic. It really gives me Breath of the Wild vibes too, in in many respects. It's yeah, in its aesthetics, man, but perhaps not in its creativity. 
No, it can't. It doesn't do the. It doesn't have the systems, right? Where you shoot a flaming arrow and you set yeah. an entire field on mm-hmm. on fire. Like this game is much or more climbing everything. Which is, yeah. Why yeah, did one game just switch to climbing everything? I don't understand. I thought <laughs> we'd be in an era where you could climb everything. Can you imagine the job the QA department has to do? Oh like, God! People don't give breath of the <laughs> no, wild. They just have to climb everything. Credit. Yeah. They have no, one job: climb everything. Yeah. That's a I big love, job in Breath of the Wild, man. Yeah, I know. Well, I did it. So, well, those hills behind that one village with the fair, great, great fairy fountain, those ones are frustrating. Uh, they, they are. are. And um, before I, yeah, before I tell you guys about that, I did want to correct us ourselves from last week where we talked about how Miyamoto allegedly said that Donkey Kong Country proves gamers will put up with mediocre gameplay if the art is good. And it looks like oh, that yeah. he didn't say that. That was uh, a hoax. Yeah. I said that might have been apocryphal at the time. You did. So I hedged my bets. But I still have people. It's it's very un-Miyamoto-like. It's very un-Miyamoto-like. Yeah. Well, that He did not say that. One of those urban legends that we did some great features on. Yeah, my uncle heard it. He works at Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. So we can trust that. Oh, Oh, there he's gone. We did it. And now everything. We talked smack about Sam. Apologies, I did not know Sam had a heart out and we got, went a little bit over, but just really quickly, uh, I played a little bit of Clubhouse Games and uh, it's good and it's funny, but a little bit disappointed that the there are only a handful of three player games and you can't just include add in like a computer for the four player games. Like I thought oh, you would absolutely. have access to both, but yeah, you can't you can't do that, unfortunately, unless you're playing single player. But uh, that's fine, because there are more than 50 games to play with two people. So plenty, plenty of content there. But yeah, those are the games that we have all been playing. I know Pear talked about CrossCode and Seth, you talked about Donkey Kong Country and Super Mario World. And same thing with Sam, it was Donkey Kong Country. So there we go. Like we're getting value out of of Nintendo Switch Online. People are playing those games. On to Paper Mario. On to Paper Mario. Yeah. At least it held everyone over for like a week or two. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying. Or waifu. Waifu. <laughs> waifu uncovered. No. <laughs> but I let's move me. on to question block. We do have a few listener or viewer questions. And the first awesome. one is from Nina Schleider. And she says, with how the recent Treehouse tweet by Nintendo is received, the recent Joy-Con drift communication fiasco and the overall non-communication from Nintendo... What is one thing you would like them to change to improve their marketing and PR worldwide? Hmm. I mean, for me, it's they. I, I was really impressed with how Nintendo built a direct connection with the audience, right? Like, it, uh, it's probably to the detriment of outlets like uh, outlets like ours, right? We used to be the kind of connector between a publisher and the audience, and Nintendo really pioneered how to um, talk to the audience directly and do it on a schedule, and so. My hope would be that they get back onto kind of a regular cadence where maybe we get every quarter, we get a Nintendo Direct, and every month we get new Super NES games added to Nintendo Online. I feel like they were they were at the top of their game. And then, you know, obviously through the sad passing of Mr. Iwata, Nintendo Direct um, fell kind of off the schedule as well. And, and they worked hard on, on getting it back, but um, we're not there yet. Um, I, I really love the way that they create these little moments. And when it is on a schedule, I think that 
um, also takes away some of the overhype when an event pops up, right? Like every time now an event is announced, it becomes this like, ooh, it's going to be something ginormous announced. Whereas like if it's on a regular schedule, it feels more like, hey, this is a check-in. Sometimes there'll be big things, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you. I think there should be a schedule, but I don't think there should be, I don't think there should be a schedule with specific things. Like we will have a Nintendo Direct four times a year spread out by this because sometimes maybe they come out with Nintendo Direct and don't actually have enough content to make it exciting and the people will get disappointed. But if we know when to expect the news, then when we do get a Direct, it'll be extra exciting because then we know it was <laughs> at least something worth giving us a Direct. Mm. Yeah, and they could do the behind the scenes stuff. You know, Sam uh, was going to talk about this. I think he really liked the Iwata Ask series that, that oh, yeah. they did um, in text interviews mostly. But like that would be a really cool component for a regular Nintendo Direct programming, like to show, you know, how how the sausage is made to show like how some of these games are put together. We always learn such great things about the iterative process or see some early um, drawings of characters, all that. I think um, I think the audience is hungry for it. I know I am. Yeah. And our next question, our last question of the show, because we are running out of time, is from Tony Lunt. And they ask, now that the roguelike slash roguelite boom seems to be slowing down a bit, what are some of your favorites on the Switch? And I know Ooh. Sam had to depart early, but he says he's played Rogue Legacy and asked, is it slowing down? <laughs> yeah, he played Spelunky too. And I yeah. think he really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know about you guys. I'm not the biggest roguelike or roguelite fan. Uh, I've brought this up before. I did really like Dead Dead Cells. I think mm-hmm. that was if I had to pick one, that would still be the one. And then obviously, Enter the Gungeon is a really cool one. But like, I tend to gravitate more towards games that have you know rogue elements that may not be exactly the same. Like Slay the Spire is freaking awesome. I, I know Casey hates that game. Uh, Into the <laughs> Breach, like where you have this kind of Advance Wars roguelike, roguelite game. That's what I prefer. But in the end, if you ask me randomly generated versus and like starting over versus a game like Link to the Past where the quest is designed by people for you and is a set quest, I always pick the, the scripted kind of pre-made stuff, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't what think it's slowing stuff? down either. I, I no. think it's a break. I think we'll we'll get plenty more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing a, a proper appearance on NBC if I didn't mention my son, who loves mm-hmm. Binding of Isaac. He oh is, yeah, uh, has everybody's played, son. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's played yeah. that to like every possible ending. I don't even know what's happening because uh, I'm I'm not really a big rogue like or rogue light fan. I guess the only one that I really play a lot. Would be ftl but that's not on switch yeah, yeah my... i oh no you go ahead a pair no no i was gonna say my son put hundreds of hours yeah. into that game and like yeah. all i've played a little bit and i can see the appeal but like there's a lot of crying and a lot of poop and a lot of <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, to make sense now i uh <laughs> teen young teen kids would like it so much yeah, all right I, it was originally on newgrounds wasn't it oh was it is that I could be totally wrong, but I remember playing a Flash game like Binding of Isaac on Newgrounds. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong, but I just remember playing it and I didn't own a gaming PC at the time. So I don't know how else I would have played it. (laughs) So what what are yours, Casey? Uh, Well, I mean, it's obvious, right? You guys already know. I'm honestly not usually that much of a fan of roguelikes or roguelikes, but Slay the Spire is amazing and fantastic and i will always play that i think the roguelite element makes it so much more replayable 
than a lot of other games. And I think, uh, paired to your point, a lot of roguelites feel less polished than games that were designed step by step with everything by a human. But I think something like Slay the Spire does it in a way that makes it feel polished despite that. Yeah, that's true. And I, I look, there there are a lot of gamers who really like that randomness. It's people who really like skill games, right? Where it's mm-hmm. all about learning the pattern, learning patterns, and learning how to react to changing situations. Like I'm, I'm a different kind. I'm, I'm more of an explorer kind of guy. I gravitate towards open world games and adventures, and you know, like also uncharted games that are a little bit more linear. But you know, I think my son is much more of the kind of trying to get every little thing out of a game by. Being being, becoming really, really good at the mechanisms and then reacting to all the differences that a roguelike throws at him. So I, I can totally see the appeal. Yeah. Different different strokes. So that is about all the time we have left for Nintendo Voice Chat of this week. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. And remember, NBC is released every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, except for next week, because next week <laughs> is Comic-Con and there will be a ton of Comic-Con content so apologies, you will not be able to get your Nintendo news from us, but we may be having, we may have something in the works instead, but it won't be a brand new episode, but we will be back the following week of July 30th. Again, thank you so much for watching and thank you for joining parents, Seth and Sam, who's not here. And remember, NBC is the only place you can. Get the thing. Get the thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.